There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. Sorry, it's been a while, guys. It was uh, crazy September, and I'm just trying to trying to get through it. So I figured I'd uh, throw something together tonight. Um, you're going to notice my voice sounds weird because I'm recording via some uh, speakers on my, my laptop because the laptop that I normally record with... Um, if you if you're not following me on Instagram or, or Facebook, you might not know this, but I had a major truck fire uh, when I was on my way up to retrieve an elk that I'd shot, and um, my laptop was in that truck, and so all of my recording software and and uh, you know a lot of the video footage that I'd taken, uh, and and including fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars worth of hunting gear absolutely burned to the ground and I was going to tell you that story <laughs> while I record today so I'm just I'm just trying to throw together something quick um it's Sunday night right now and what what the plan is is I'm going to go uh, get all the replacement things and items I need uh to to get this thing back up to speed by the time I I have an interview lined up for I think Wednesday night of this coming week so I can get these uh these episodes rolling out to you guys again uh, but in the meantime, I, I don't have a way, the way these new MacBooks are, which I'm not super happy about, uh, they're, they're not set up to have like a, a microphone plugged in. So I have to get this adapter thing, which I thought I had, but apparently I don't. So I'm just recording on this. So guys, welcome to this episode. Um, I hope you had a great September. I know, uh, like I said in the beginning there, it's been a couple of weeks since I released an episode I've been hunting my ass off, uh, and I've been out there just, you know, putting up the, do, fighting the good fight, I guess, so to speak. So there's been some questions. Um, a couple nights ago, I posted what happened to my truck, and uh, I figured I'd just kind of tell you guys real quick uh, what September was like. And so let's let's just do that. I've got a, I just opened a cold beer, and I've got nothing else going on. I know the audio is not great, but let's uh, let's dive into it. Um, I want to hear, by the way, I want to hear from you guys about how your September went. So hit me up at Jim at the Western Huntsman.com. We're, so last year after September, we did a, uh, an episode called September dreams. And that's where I just kept calling people on the phone and, uh, asking about their September and how it went. And I'd love to do that again for, for, so if you got a bowl down and want to tell the story on the show, uh, send me an email at jim at the western huntsman.com because I, I really like to schedule that in the next couple of weeks. And what I do is I give you a time frame, like I'll be recording from, 
you know, let's say 6 p.m. till 8 p.m. or whatever, for example, on Tuesday night or whatever. So you just want to make sure you're by your phone. And I'll what I'll do is is uh, I'll give you a call if I if I select you to be on the show, uh, and I'll give you a call in that time. And I want to spend 15 to 25 minutes having you kind of walk us through how you got the bowl, how you got it packed out. Uh, what strategy you were using, how everything happened. I think it's a great way for people to learn. So that's why I do it that way. Uh, so that's the plan. Um, let's, uh, again, if you had, uh, if you notched a tag in September this uh, of 2022, shoot me an email at jim at thewesternhuntsman.com if you're interested in coming on the show and telling your story about how that uh, bad boy went down. Love to hear it. So, uh, so September, it was, it was super interesting. Lots of highs and lows. We had uh, the the first couple weeks started out out really slow, and honestly, I didn't get out as much as I wanted to because I had some work stuff come up. Uh, of course, you know, work emergencies that that happen <laughs> right when right when September kicks off. But I I was able to get out. I got out with my buddy Steve Johnson and his uh, his cousin Marty, and camped with those guys for uh, a day or two. We hunted, we called in some wolves, uh, had a great time. We did get a couple of bugles that, I don't think it was opening day, I think it was the next day, uh, which was like a Tuesday or Wednesday. Anyway, but we couldn't get them fired up. They they would respond, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't get fired up. And that was kind of the theme, uh, at least up here in North Idaho. Uh, I could always get them talking, but getting a bull like super pissed off, was just not in the cards for some reason this year. And so I don't know if there's like a a reason related to weather or some biological thing or I don't know what the hell happened, but they just wouldn't talk. Uh, or, or I'm sorry, they wouldn't get pissed. And that, that first two weeks, they wouldn't talk. So we we tried. We put in a lot of miles. Uh, I, went, I went hunting with uh, my cousin Andrew up uh, in this spot that we've had some success in the past at, and uh, it was absolutely dead quiet, super hot. Um, it was a freaking terrible hike too, because they it was one of those tag alder hell holes <laughs> that I went down. Ended up calling in a couple of guys that were hunting up there from uh, Minnesota, so that was kind of cool. Those dudes are up there every year, and those guys are like just lean mean hunting machines they they come up in like this truck and camper every year and they camp in the same spot it's an odd spot too that they camp i don't know why they choose that spot because there's there's like better ones a mile away uh but they they're happy with where they're at and they're just uh they're just gritty hunters man they're all over the mountain uh up and down it's a father-son combo um and they ended up coming into my bugle at at one point so i kind of felt bad but um Anyway, just wanted to throw a shout out to those guys. It's uh, always good seeing you guys every year up there in the, in the same spot. So after the first couple of weeks, the the unit that I was hunting in where the bulls weren't, what was happening is the bulls were coming in, but they were coming in silent. And so I can't tell you how many times that uh, I, I'd take like a step or I'd move my head and all of a sudden a bull that was unbeknownst to me within... 20, 30 yards of me would bust out in front of me and, and obviously no opportunity for a shot. And, and that happened several times, especially that first two weeks. And and I think that there was just a a little bit more pressure this year than, than what was usual. And it was also a lot hotter. And so that happened several times. Uh, I don't know, several times I say, you know, it was probably three or four times. 
Uh, but at that point, I decided to switch units. And I took a couple days off, came back to the homestead. Uh, I cleaned out the uh, Broken Tine studio here, which is a camping trailer, and took all my stuff to storage for, for recording. Um, obviously, with the exception of this adapter, I need to make this episode sound better. Um, I don't know where the hell that ended up. But anyway, I so we, we cleaned it out, loaded this trailer up, and I took my wife and my girls, and we went to a totally different unit. And there I found this, uh, I like to call them, I don't know, micro habitats. Because of the nature of these mountains and like the way that they're logging in certain areas and leaving other areas alone, I would find these pockets of timber that would hold elk. And I was finding kind of a similar situation, whereas I could get them talking, but I couldn't get them pissed off. You know what I mean? And so... We, we camped up there for a week, and we uh, every single day I was in elk. I mean, every day we were, we were in elk, and I'd take my daughters out. I took them out one night, um, and there was this spike on the top of this, like, knobby hill, real, real brushy hill, and he wouldn't talk at all. But when I'd cow call, he, he, he would come out into the open and just start coming right down the hill right at us, and it, it was super cool. And it was evening, so the thermals were coming down. And I was like, you know what? For a spike, he was a big spike. And I'm like, okay, we're we're just gonna sauce this spike, man. This thing's gonna get clapped if it, if he gives me a shot. Um, but uh, he'd he'd get down to the bottom and he'd just kind of turn around and bugger off into the trees. And uh, we'd call him in again, and he'd bugger off. I'd get him to like 50 yards, but it was not a clear shot. So the problem with that unit where I was hunting was how brushy and thick it was. And this ties into what happens the following few days. So the following few days, I go out, uh, the girls didn't go with me on that one. I just went out by myself. I went up this mountain where the uh, the elk tend to kind of hang out and, and uh, meander up there. They're, they're up there all the time. In fact, they're, they're up there every season. This is why I was camped down there, because of this particular mountain where there is, uh, you could set your watch to it, uh, about mid-September, the cows show up on this, uh, maybe they're there all the time, but uh, the, the cows are up there and, and a herd bull shows up and like three or four satellites show up. And they're, it's the same spot, if you guys have listened in the past, um, where I had the, my bow kind of got hung up in my, my Tacticam camera on my shoulder strap, where that big herd bull with the drop tine come in. Uh, it's the same area. But in fact, I, I had a, a bull almost in the exact spot. I mean, within five yards of where that happened last year, I had a bull come in silent on me right there and I busted him out. And so anyway, this one particular morning I go up and uh, I, I bugle and lo and behold, I get a bugle back. Uh, he was probably, I don't know, maybe a hundred yards away. So I start kind of closing the distance there and working him and every time I'd bugle he'd bugle back and I could tell he was getting closer as well I had to drop down probably 40 feet uh, elevation wise just to kind of get the wind right and we're like halfway through this call in and all of a sudden this this bigger batter bull starts um starts bugling and he's probably 200 250 yards away and I knew exactly where he was I, I just know this mountain so well I knew exactly what little patch of timber he was hanging in. So um, 
and like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to keep that guy in, in like the back pocket for a minute. And, and I, I, I work in a little bit closer and I get to a point where I can't really move much further because that other bull that sounded smaller, uh, was, was bugling. He was coming in pretty hot. Uh, again, he wasn't pissed, but he was, he was answering. He was super curious. And, and so I just kind of, I'd bugle, nothing aggressive. I just bugle. I, I mean, some people call them locator bugles. Some people call them contact bugles. There's all sorts of different bugles that you can call it. Um, I, I don't, I, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a biologist. I'm not a, anything like that. What I did was just kind of matched his tone. Nothing aggressive, but, uh, you know, a little, I wanted to make it sound curious and interested. And that's kind of how he sounded. He was curious and interested. Well, um, the more we did that, the more that bigger sounding bull would start popping off and letting us know that he was down there, but he wouldn't move much. And I got to thinking that I, I, I feel like I could kill that bull, like that bigger bull. Uh, I was pretty confident I, I'd, I'd get this smaller raghorn, but uh, I, I, my confidence on the bigger bull started getting greater. And so I'm standing there and here comes that little raghorn and I could see the tops of his tines coming in through the, the tag alder and into the dark timber where I was. Uh, and, and he kind of comes in and he makes an appearance. He's at 30 yards. I don't really have a shot. And that big bull bugles again. And so I, I kind of let out a little cow call for this, this raghorn. He was like a four point. I saw him pretty good. Um, he, he drops down and gives me an almost perfect, I mean, almost, you couldn't ask for a better 20 yard shot broadside. And I did the thing that I swore I would never do. And, and I, I don't even want to talk about it that much because I'm a dude that gets super leery when people are like, oh yeah, I passed on a bowl. I passed on this bowl because he wasn't very big. You know, I'm just not that kind of guy. And I, I, I honestly, I don't believe half of the people that tell me that. And I know, call me an asshole, but, but that's just how I am. I, I don't really think that, uh, that happens all that often. Um, and, and I certainly, I mean, I promised myself I wouldn't, I was going to shoot the, I don't care if it's a spike. Uh, I don't care. I don't care what size it is. That sucker was going to go down. The only reason uh, I'm, I, I, because it ties into the story is the only reason I'm, I'm really telling it like this and, and bringing up the fact that I actually did something I swore I'd never do, which was I passed on the little raghorn. And the only reason I did is because that other bull was talking so well and he sounded a lot bigger. And so I just stood there and I, I let him pass. And I, I, what I was, um, what I was super confident about was I had it, I, I had it on uh, all the footage on my Tacticam. Uh, so I had that little bull standing in front of me. So I'm like, okay, yeah, nobody can call me out for BSing. <laughs> this is going to get interesting in a little while and you're, you're going to find out why. So I let that little bull walk and he finally kind of swings down. Uh, I don't think he winded me, uh, but he knew something was up. Something wasn't right. He wasn't seeing what he wanted. Uh, and, and it's not like he was shitting in and getting, getting out of there, but he did just kind of turn and wander off back up, uh, to the area where he came from. So I was like, cool. That bull went up that way. The bigger bull is off to my right down lower. And so I dropped down to where about I thought I was on that bigger bull's plane. And at this point he was maybe a hundred yards from me. And this is super thick, super brushy, dark timber. So I, I start moving towards that bull and, uh, again, he's not pissed. It's not like I'm pissing him off, 
but we there is a strong curiosity from him to find out who I am and what I'm doing there kind of thing if, if that makes sense you know it, it's like I always really like if you're if you're calling somebody you're not like hey you're an asshole but it was like hey I hear you over there I'm over here you know kind of thing it it, it wasn't like a mad bull pissed off. He's worried about his cows. I, I, I don't think he was cowed up, uh, but he was super, super curious and he was coming in um, to check me out and I was heading towards him. Well, I, I, I dropped into this uh, batch of really dark timber and I got the Tacticam rolling again and there I, it, through kind of some of the light in the dark timber, I see movement and sure enough, it's this bull and he lets off one, one uh, nice bugle at me um, again, just kind of that, that, uh, locator kind of sounding contact bugle, just, Hey, I'm right here. I'm coming to check you out. And so I'm like, cool. I shut up and, uh, I stopped and I knocked an arrow and I got the tacticam rolling. Uh, and, and I'm standing there and, uh, this bull starts moving towards me. He's moving, he's moving, he's moving. I'm like, okay, this is going to be perfect because he's going to come between, kind of these two stands of trees where if he's moving on that plane, I'm going to have a nice broadside shot at, at about 22 yards. I couldn't ask for a better situation. And it played out exactly how I thought it was going to. He comes up, he comes to that little stand of trees uh, where there's that big opening. It's like 10 feet wide, this opening, and he stands right there and he's looking at me and I was right. He was a bigger bull. He was no monster. But he was a nice five, maybe a five by six, uh, real heavy horn, dark timber bull. Uh, beautiful bull, man. I mean, just a, just an awesome bull. I was super excited. So as before he got to that gap, I drew back. And in my excitement, uh, I did not notice uh, some of the branches that were coming off these trees. And you guys probably, whoever's uh, been archery hunting before in their life knows where this is going. I let that arrow fly in what I thought was a 100% uh, kill shot. That arrow deflects off a little teeny twig of a branch and shoots right over his back. Totally misses him. And interestingly, he wasn't that spooked. He did turn around and start wandering back, but he wasn't that spooked. So as he started moving, I started moving. Uh, and I, I, I moved over. I hit the... Uh, <coughs> excuse me. I moved over and, and I got another kind of a clearing where he's given me a, a quartering two shot and he's looking for me. He did he could hear me move, but he couldn't quite see me. And I popped around some brush, drew my bow back. And uh, it was, it was not a, not a great shot, but not a terrible shot. I could have totally killed him. And what do you think happened? <laughs> Again, uh, an arrow, my arrow starts going, um, and hits a, hits another little twig and just kind of deflects to the left and goes right in front of him. At this point, that bullet had enough. He's, he's like, okay, I don't know what's, what's going on, but I'm over it. And he runs off probably 60, 70 yards down the other side of this hill. And he starts bugling at me again. And so I, I go over there and I'm bugling at him, trying to, trying to get him to, uh, talk so I can really get a good idea as to where he was and try to get him curious enough again to come check me out. And, uh, you know, I lost those first two arrows. I have no idea where the hell they, they ended up in like a different zip code or something. Cause I searched later on after this whole thing, uh, never found him. 
So he zips off and and I'm I'm bugling and he starts bugling back. Um again, just non-aggressive, just uh I'm over here, you're over there kind of thing. And uh all of a sudden as I, I crest this hill, I know he's not very far. He might be 40 yards from me. In, but it's, again, you got to think of like the uh, like jungle. I, I mean, this is some thick shit I'm in. And I, I can't see more than 10, 15 yards with these uh, like shooting lanes that'll open up and maybe give me 20, 30 yards at the most. And I'm just hoping he pops up into one of those because I can hear him walking around. Uh, as I'm doing that, I feel the wind. Um starting to get late afternoon, early evening. Uh, the sun's really, you know, it's been behind the mountain for a while and those thermals shift on me and I feel the wind hit, touch the back of my neck and off he goes. I can, I can hear him. He, he winded me. Um, way cool. It was one of the most, uh, because so uh, again, I, I tell you this, that, so that bull buggers out and, and I go back and I'm trying to find my arrows, never found him. I, I go straight up this hill to try to get on these, uh, I, I knew this other herd was up there and I knew there'd be a bull with him and I was right. I get up there and I bugle, um, that bull bugles back and, and he's actually, uh, somewhat irritated because he had cows. I don't know how big he was. I never saw him, uh, but something happened. I know they didn't win me, but maybe one of the cows saw me, something happened. They bugger out, um, the whole day. Uh, it just kind of ends, ends right there. I'm, I'm done. I've blown that entire mountain out. They all know I'm there. Uh, I have given up my position, my sense all over the place. And I'm like, okay, I need to get off this mountain and give this spot a rest for a few days. So I did, I left, I left the mountain, but it, it uh, had to be probably and perhaps the most action I've gotten in one day. Um, uh, I, 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 again, I, I hate using the term that I passed on, on a bull, uh, but I did for the first time in my life, uh, I passed on a bull at little raghorn. And honestly, it'll probably be the last time I pass on that bull because that was a, it was a, such a perfect shot. My hunt would have been over right there. Uh, gotten that, uh, you know, flung arrows at that other bull, uh, gotten a pretty heated discussion with the, the third bull up on top. It was just a great day. It's the kind of day you think about when you think about September archery elk hunting. Uh, just, just freaking amazing. And, and he's, these elk are, they're everywhere up here. Anyways, so moving on, let me take another sip of beer here. So moving on, uh, Next day I get up, I go out, I, I hunt, I had a couple of encounters, another day goes by, I had a few more encounters, nothing nothing as close as what I had that, that day I was just telling you about. And then uh, it was the second to last day before we were about to leave and pack up to go home, uh, I'd gone out in the morning and there was this weird breeze that morning that totally blew the elk off the mountain on me, uh, so the breeze went against the thermals, I, I had a plan based on thermals. And well, the plan didn't work because there was, there was a breeze going in the opposite direction and, and I got blown out and I, I heard those elk that they're, they're probably a half a mile from me and I can hear them trucking down the mountain, uh, long before I'm even close, uh, no prayer on, on, on those elk. So I go back to camp and my feet and my back are just wrecked from, I, I mean, I, I put on many, many, many miles at this point. Uh, I was averaging, I, you know, I, I never like to say the mileage because the mileage and how that is dictated 
or um, I, I guess decipher that that changes as per what state and what area of the state you're in. But I was averaging four to seven miles a day, and we're talking North Idaho country. So I always I always joke around that a North Idaho mile, um, it's not because of how st- every every Western state has steep country, and it is steep up here. That for sure, you're you're going up and down and up and down. It's how brushy it is. So it's and the blowdown, uh, it, it is it is really really brushy. I mean, to the point where you're you're inside the brush. You're not you're not walking on a trail. Uh, we're not just walking up an open face or or down an open face. It, it is brushy, and it is so that the point is is I've I've hunted uh, much of the western United States, and I I can say with complete confidence that a North Idaho mile is a little bit more extreme than uh, many other places I've hunted. So. Anyway, that was a side note. Uh, where was I? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I go out for the evening hunt. And, and this is, again, this is a, the next day. The plan is we're going to pick up camp and, and go home. Back to the homestead. And so I, I, I'd gone in this area where I'd actually shot at a bull before a few years ago. And, and dropped down. Um, there was this old logging road. And it had like this reprod growing over it. And I'm swimming through that shit. I hate that stuff with a passion. I mean, I, I hate that reprod stuff with an absolute passion. But I knew if I got back there, and everybody else, I'm not the only one that hates it. So everybody else hates it. And so nobody else goes back there. <laughs> and so I figured, you know what? If I could tolerate it, it opens up after about a half a mile. And so I'm, I'm just swimming and making my way slow as I'll get out back to the spot and I, I left my truck at like 3 30 4 o'clock sometime in there and by the time I get to the part of this old logging road that's a little bit clearer um it's probably it's probably close to six yeah it took me a long time to cover that country I guess I probably said a half a mile earlier it's probably a mile I don't know I, I didn't I didn't really I didn't have the tracker on my onyx going uh but I bugle right there once I get in the clearing I bugle way down the draw old Doug Flutie's down there and he hears me bugle and he bugles back and I'm like man okay I can't I can't draw him up here so he scares all the elk out but I don't want to bugle again uh because I don't want him to respond and know where I'm at I just want him to forget and and sure enough man this dude's down there bugling up a storm like it's frick fucking Debbie, Debbie does Dallas or something. And he's trying to attract all the cow. I, it was just insane the way this guy was bugling. Um, I feel like there's a lot of hunters out there that are not listening to the experts on bugling that I bring onto this show. <laughs> and so this was one of those, uh, this was one of those dudes. He's down there bugling. He's just uh, you know, sending off all these challenge bugle, what, what everybody calls a challenge bugle, just screaming and and uh, he, he's just you know going crazy. And the elk don't fall for that. I just don't. I don't know how to get that through to some people. They just they they have it in their mind that they get out there and they just want to scream their heads off. And there's no thought or skill into what the art of, of calling in an elk is. And, and I, again, guys, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going, I'm getting off track and I'm, I'm bitching about some other hunters, but it, this just happened so many times that it, it is like, I just want to go up to them and, and grab the bugle out of their mouth and, and be like, dude, that is not what elk respond to. 
you have to work a bull up. You don't just start screaming your head off and doing these lip balls and, and acting like you're about to engage in a great elk battle and lock horns because nothing's talking to you. And that's not how, that's not how elk behave. It's just not, it's not the appropriate thing to do. So anyway, rant over. I'll stop bitching about that, but it, it was frustrating. I mean, it, it was frustrating. So I, I wait for him to get done with his little ramble session with his bugle tube and he, he gets bored uh, and I, I don't respond. He gets bored and he's moving further and further away. And he, he, I, 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 it sounded, I don't know, five, 10 minutes later, I can hear a four wheeler, uh, turn on way down there, uh, in the drainage and, and he, he putters out on that road. So I'm like, okay, cool. I, I let it calm down for about five minutes. And instead of bugling, what I did is I just let off these soft little chuckles. I, I wish I had my, my bugle tube. Um, well, I do. It's, oh, oh, it'll sound weird without the microphone though. Anyway. I, just these these soft little chuckles is all I did, and this bull, he is with he's inside a hundred yards, and he's probably up there rolling his eyes at Doug Flutie too. Uh, this bull hears me do that, and he does the exact same thing that I did. He mimicked me, which is a first for me. He lets off these soft little chuckles. And some of it, you don't even have that squealy part of the chuckle. It's like almost like he's hiccuping a bunch. And I'm sure anybody that's heard elk do this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like he's hiccuping <laughs> a bunch and it sounds cool. It sounds super cool. And I'm like, okay, shit, he is really close. Um, it's also evening at this point. It's past six o'clock. And so thermals are going down and I'm below him. So uh, I directly cut through some more tag alder and and um and other brush and whatnot and I, I start making my way up the hill towards where he was and this perfect little meadow is is kind of right there uh and i kind of I, I just i put myself in the in the shadows which everything at this point is starting to get shadowed uh but there was still enough sunlight that i had to be careful because that you know when the sun's going down or if it's just coming up that that light it just seems brighter when it's coming through outside of the shadows and, and the, that's where the elk are going to see you. And so I'm like, okay, I, 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 I kind of button up against this, uh, this tree. I'm in this nice dark shadow and I do, I, I let off a couple other little chuckles and, and here he comes. He's, he's coming. He's super curious. Again, he's not pissed, but he's coming. He's curious. He wants to know who, who's this other bull chuckling at me on my mountain. And, and he's, he's doing it and I'm doing it. Uh, I, I'm going, you know, uh, hang on. I, I Let me grab my bugle tube because I, I, I really want you guys to understand how this call-in went on for, for anybody that's never done this or experienced this with an elk. It's super cool. Hang on just one sec. Okay, I'm back. I promised it would be quick. <laughs> okay, so what I want to do is I want to demonstrate the, the way I was chuckling at this bull and exactly how he sounded back at me. Um, nothing crazy, nothing aggressive. This is all it was. And I hope it picks up on these speakers. Okay. But well, I'll, I'll listen back and make sure. So here we go. That's literally all it was. There, there's no bugle. I, I never, I never bugled. He never bugled. I, I, I would do that and I'd wait for a minute and I could hear him as he's coming to me, like almost frustrated, but not pissed. And he's breathing hard and he's coming in. And as, as I set myself up, I've got the tacticam rolling 
and I see the tops of his tines. And I'm like, man, this is a pretty decent freaking bull. I mean, it's a decent bull. And and as he gets closer, he's coming in, and I can see him coming down the hill right at me, and I'm below him. Uh, he comes in 30 yards, but he's blocked by a bunch of brush. And then it couldn't have been more perfect. He turns to his left, which is my right, and opens up, uh, you know, he's broadside to me at this point. And takes like three steps into this opening in the brush. And I've got like, it's probably five feet wide of open brush with a couple of little twigs in there. And I'm drawn back. And right as he starts doing that little chuckle thing again, I I, I send that arrow. It's, it hits a small twig and slightly deflects to the left. So remember, he's facing kind of the other direction. And so where I hit him and I see where the arrow hits and I saw it deflect. It was like a slow motion shot. I'm like, holy shit, don't deflect again. And it just slightly deflected. So I missed his lungs, but uh, liver hit him. And he doesn't really understand what happens, right? He just kind of, he's like, okay, man, something just got me and I'm going to wander off. And he, and he, is, he doesn't run real fast. He just kind of, he just quickly moves off and I start cow calling and then I, I, I throw him a bugle and I can hear that it stopped him, but it only stopped him for a second. At this point, he'd kind of crested this little knoll and gone into the thick brush. And so, um, I'm kind of celebrating at this point because I, I knew I hit him back a little bit, but I knew it was still a really good shot. And I knew, I knew, um, I, I was just super confident in it. I mean, I was really confident in it. And so I give it, I give it, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes. And it was the longest 20 or 30 minutes I've, I've ever experienced in my life. Um, but that's what I did. That's the right thing to do. Uh, and, and then I kind of, I slowly start going up there and I wasn't sure if I was going to find this bowl laid there or if I was going to have to blood trail them. And so it's getting dark now. Uh, so I, in fact, by the time, by the time that 20 or 30 minutes is up, it, it's, it's, there's just barely a hint of sunlight still in the sky. So I got the headlamp out and I find where I hit him, and, uh, I find a, like a couple of little drops of blood. And then I just keep kind of gridding around a little bit until boom, there it is. Cause sometimes for those of you that may not know this, a lot of times you'll hit an elk with your bow and there won't be blood immediately. Uh, sometimes it takes, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, even 50 yards before you actually find blood, uh, coming out of this bowl. And I, I, I there's a lot of reasons for that, but I, that's just a, I, I think I was, I was talking to a guy once and he's like, yeah, I shot this bull, but there was no blood trail. And so I just, uh, moved on and went hunting somewhere else. And I was like, oh man, are you serious? He probably killed that bull and didn't even know it, uh, possibly, you know, and so, that's just a little, uh, for, for any beginner hunters, especially archery hunters, uh, there, uh, there, it is not, uh, it's not untypical to have a bull go, uh, a little ways before you actually find the blood. And so that's what happened here. And, and usually that's not a problem. Uh, it, it should uh, give you a good blood trail at that point. So no, no big deal. So I go up there and, and, uh, boom, lo and behold, there's a big blood trail, uh, blood splattered all over the leaves. Uh, I find, I find uh, half of the arrow, uh, it's the front half, um, broken off, no idea where the broadhead is. And then a few feet later, I found, I found the, the back half of the arrow. It was a complete pass through. 
And so I kind of got down on my knees and I'm, I'm, I've got my, uh, my phone light going and I've got my headlamp going and I'm really studying this blood and it's obvious it's liver, liver, super, uh, you know, red, there's no bubbles in it. Um, it, it definitely a liver shot. So this could take, uh, for, again, for those of you that don't know, this could take a while for this bull to die and it's dark and I don't know what direction that blood trail goes and I don't want to bump him. Uh, another little element that, um, was a stupid rookie mistake on my part and I'll, I'll fess up to it <laughs> is, uh, my headlamp died right about then. Um, so I'm like, okay, no big deal. Headlamps, uh, headlamps out. I can't really track him with a, with a cell phone light. Uh, it's going to take him a long time to die because I did liver hit him. I'm going to back out and I'll hit this again first thing in the morning. So get out, get back to the truck. Um, I'm telling, uh, I go back to camp and I've got my Zolio satellite thing connected to my phone. So I'm texting my, my, uh, my cousin, Andrew, uh, Hey, I got a bull hit. Uh, he's probably down. I don't know if he's dead yet. So I backed out and he's like, dude, I'll come down and help you track it. And I'm like, cool, man. So I've got my girls, my wife, um, and, and my cousin Andrew. So there's five of us that go out first thing in the morning. And for, I know what some of you may be thinking. My daughters are 11 and 13 and these girls have more blood trailing experience than many, many adults. And these are, they are seasoned and very good at tracking elk or well, tracking any kind of blood trail. My wife has also been trailing uh, blood trails for a long time with me. She's very good at it. Uh, my cousin Andrew is one of those super meticulous people. He's like one of those real detail-focused, oriented kind of people, and and he knows how to really slow down and uh, and, and and watch for blood. The point I'm trying to make is. This was uh, pretty promising. I had really good trackers with me, and we were going to grid this whole mountain out. We get up there. We start looking for blood. Um, well, fi I find the blood trail. It's really good for about 10 feet, and then it tapers off, and the blood trail starts kind of petering out. After, after 20, 30 yards, it's completely gone. I'm not sure why this happens, but sometimes you'll get like these fatty tissue stuff that blocks the hole and stops the bleeding. Uh, it doesn't mean that the elk's going to make it. doesn't mean uh, that it wasn't a good shot. It doesn't mean any of that. I've, I've had, uh, I've had situations mainly on deer where um, the, the fat, uh, you know, kind of, kind of blocks the hole. It, I don't know, coagulates or, or whatever happens. It, it just blocks the hole. And then I end up finding the deer anyway. Uh, it just takes, takes a little bit more effort. So uh, we break it kind of separately into into a couple of different groups and start gridding this whole mountain. Um, we were starting to lose hope after a while, uh, and then my wife finds a couple like the smallest little blood. I mean, this was super Apache of her, <laughs> and she finds this little drop of blood. And so we 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 pick up the trail again and follow that, and then it peters out. And then my cousin Andrew he finds a little teeny spot of blood on this leaf. And, and it's still, it's still dark, you know, uh, red or whatever. And, and then that trail peters out. And so at that point we've, we've kind of lost blood and, and I'm still confident the elk is dead somewhere. 
but we 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 kind of break up again and start gritting out. Uh, everybody kind of has a, assigned directions and assigned areas uh, to to start gridding for this elk. And I'm just assuming we're going to find him piled up somewhere. And we grid and we look and we search. This mountain is so thick that you have to walk everywhere on it to cover the country because that bull can be anywhere. And we did. We we hiked all over this mountain. Uh, I mean, we gave it hell. But the day, as all days do, come to an end. Never found that bull. Uh, and this, my friends, is where the story gets really interesting. So um, we gave we gave it a hundred percent effort, uh, and I, I I was still confident that that bull uh, was was dead. So I I had no choice but to get off the mountain. Uh, I had some very pressing work related things come up that I had to be to work at the next the next day, uh, and so the plan was I was coming up the day after that to see if I could find that bull. I know that that is a long time to go by, but there, I, I still had hope. And at the very least, my, my goal was to crow check, uh, and, and just spend the entire day up there looking for, looking for this elk, looking for this bull. And I, I, you know, I had, I had some confidence that I was going to. So that day comes and I get in my truck, I load up all of my hunting gear, uh, in the event that I determine or uh, figure out that maybe this bull somehow didn't die, I still had two days left to hunt. Uh, so I had all of my gear. I had my laptop so that I could reformat some of the SD cards uh, that I had to get the footage. Because I had some great footage, guys. I mean, I have some great footage. Uh, I, I was super excited about it. Uh, to put to, to, you know To put together another video or whatever. So anyway, go up. I'm heading up to go find this elk. I've got uh, everything loaded in the truck. I, I bought a few groceries uh, to because I was just going to sleep in my truck uh, if I needed to and stay the night up there again. Head up, and I, I'm getting to the spot where I'm getting close to where the bull was, where, where I shot the bull. I'm probably a few miles on the dirt road. And I start smelling something in my truck like rubber burning. And, and it's pretty, this, this part of the road that I'm on is, I mean, it's pretty steep. You don't want to go off the road. Like you, you'd, it'd be, you'd have a rough day if you go off that son of a bitch. <laughs> so <clears throat> I told you earlier, excuse me, by the way, I told you earlier that there was some logging operations going on up there. And so, uh, I kind of assumed that that had something to do with uh, this rubber, bur this burning rubber smell, I was I was picking up on. So uh, anyway, I, I continue on, and you know, a mile later or so, I don't know, may maybe probably less than a mile later. There's this sharp curve in the road, where um, you know it's a dirt road. It, it curves, uh, real thick timber. I'm back into the thick stuff at this point on the road, and there on the left of the road is this opening. Kind of like a, you know, just a primitive camp spot kind of thing. People, I've, I've seen, I've been up there in October. I've seen people like set up in wall tents and whatnot in there. Nice little pull out. Um, but it's on a curve. So I go, I go to hit my brakes and I'm, I'm only going, I don't know, 20 miles an hour, maybe less. Uh, I go to hit the brakes to slow down for this curve. And as I apply pressure on the brakes, I realize I have no brakes. I have zero brakes on this truck. And I start pumping them 
I'm pumping these things and I get a little bit of brake action and it slows me down enough to where I can pull my e-brake lever. This is a 2016 Toyota Tacoma. And I pull the e-brake um, and that, that gets me stopped. And I'm like, what the fuck? And so I, I put the truck in park and I get out or I start getting out. And as I'm getting out, I notice a bunch of smoke coming from underneath the hood in front of me. And I'm like, holy shit, man. So I jumped back in the truck. I put it in reverse and took the e-brake off. And I backed into that little camping spot area that I was just telling you about. And I, because my, my thought was, if this thing does go up in flames, I want to be away from these, um, uh, all the trees and all the timber. It was pretty dry this time of year. You know, we haven't had a ton of moisture this year. It's been hot and it's been dry. So I back it up. I throw the emergency brake back on to get me stopped. And at this point, I'm seeing flames coming up over the truck or out of the hood. And I'm kind of, uh, I'm not quite panicking yet, but I'm, I'm pretty worked up. I, I turn the truck off. I jump out of the truck in the back of the truck because I was planning to spend the night. I had a couple of gallon jugs of water, you know, the kind you just get at the grocery store or whatever, uh, to fill up my, uh, my bladder and my pack. And, uh, I start pouring those over the hood and I can't get the hood to open because it was so hot I couldn't touch it. Flames are getting increasingly worse. And so I determine that I need to get some shit out of my truck and I need to do it quick because it's starting to come up. The flames are coming up the windshield. This is all within 30 seconds of me stopping the truck the second time. And I start, I grab my bow case and I threw it out. I grab my pack and I throw it. Uh, I grabbed uh, a couple of other little random items I had in there, but this all happened within seconds. And all of a sudden, as I'm trying to get back in there to get more stuff out, uh, the entire cab goes up in flames and I had to back up away from it. So I run to the back of my truck and I grab my cooler and, and with it comes my, uh, my camp chair of all things, a piece of shit $5 camp chair I brought. Uh, and I, I get all that out. And, and by the time I get those two items out of the back of the truck, the, the canopy cover I have on this Toyota starts going up in flames. And I can, I, I mean, I can really feel the heat. It's probably singeing my hair at this point. And I'm like, I got to get away from this goddamn truck. And I, I get everything kind of away and I go running up on the road where you have slight, uh, sometimes you'll get a little bit of cell phone coverage up there. Um, and that's, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. Uh, I call 911 and I actually get a hold of him. And my wife says it's because uh, your cell phone has some kind of SOS. Uh, when you call 911, it connects to like a satellite or something. So I get a hold of 911 and it is, it's, it's crappy service, but I'm able to talk to the dispatcher. And I'm kind of, at this point, I'm panicking and I'm, I'm, I'm yelling to the dispatcher, hey, my truck is on fire. This is the forest service road I am on. Here's how you get there. And I'm terrified that this truck is going to start a forest fire. And she's like, got it. I've got, I've got fire in route, fires in route. And, and, and then the call drops. Uh, as soon as the call drops, my two front tires blow out. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like 20 yards from my truck. The, the tires blow out. Sounds like bombs are going off. And at that point, the, the, the entire truck's engulfed in flames. It's just this black smoke. Flames going crazy. And all of a sudden, I hear my ammo. that I, I had two box of, uh, boxes of ammo in this truck. That shit starts popping off. 
I have, you know, the little fuel cans for jet boils. I have like two or three of those in the truck. They start blowing. Uh, I've got other stuff in the truck that's just exploding. All the stuff's going nuts. So I, I kind of drop over this little hill and, and get down out of the way in case. I wasn't sure, you know, usually when you, if, if bullets end up in a fire or something, they'll pop, but it's not like it's shooting the bullet off. Um, but it can, it can throw fragments and, and shrapnel that can injure you, uh, along with other things. And I was waiting for that gas tank to blow up. So I go running over and I'm hiding behind this berm and I'm taking pictures from around it and things are exploding. Tires are popping, windows are crashing out. Finally, the, um, the, the gas tank blows up and I mean, it sounded like somebody just dropped a bomb. And I'm just over there going, holy shit. And, and I'm alone. You know, there's like, I, I'm so helpless. There's nobody up there to help me until finally these logging guys saw the black smoke. And uh, I keep having to wet my whistle because I'm, when I talk this much, my, my throat gets really dry. So bear with me. <laughs> um, these logging guys get o- come over on their truck. And I go running over to those guys and, and, and just so you know, like I'm in my slippers, I wear either slippers or flip-flops when I'm on my way to do a big hike. So my feet don't get super hot. My, uh, you know, super nice, not super old, uh, Hoffman boots, uh, are, are in the truck. They're, they're burnt. And so I'm in my slippers and my camo pants, uh, and, and some t-shirt, a random t-shirt cause I hadn't changed yet. I was going to change, you know, once I got to the spot to hike in to, to try to find my elk. And these loggers are there and they're like looking at me like I'm crazy because of the way I'm dressed and in slippers and this truck's on fire. Uh, and I'm kind of yelling at them, explaining the situation. They're getting on their radios, trying to radio. They had a water truck parked up by where the logging operation's going on. Uh, and they kept getting radioed back. We can't find the hitch. We can't find the hitch. So they can't, they can't even help uh, bring their... Uh, you know, water truck over. And so they had some fire extinguishers, uh, there in their trucks. And, and the goal was we were just trying to prevent a forest fire because again, I'm in some, I'm, I'm in some big timber country. Uh, it's really dry. It's been hot. Uh, and, and that could have gone up super easy. In fact, when the gas can, or when the gas tank blew, the flames hit one of the pine trees and th- there was a couple little hot spots that started on fire and then they kind of fizzled out. Thank God. Um, and so uh, we, we, we just kind of kept the fire extinguishers there and, and at the ready so that if something does, if the brush catches on fire outside of the dirt area where I was parked, we could put it out quickly. Finally, 40 minutes after the truck had started on fire, and I, I mean, we're talking, guys, in less than 10 minutes, this truck is totaled. It's, it's fucking totaled. Uh, and and less, uh, less than 10 minutes, this thing was just done. Uh, absolutely gone. Finally, 40 minutes later, the, uh, the fire department gets up there and actually in their defense, I'm not, I'm not complaining about this fire department. Um, they, they, they got there pretty quick. This is, this is a rural area part of Idaho where this is all volunteer firefighter stuff. Um, and, and I'm up on a, in the national forest miles from town. Um, I was quite impressed with how quickly they got there. In fact, I told him that I was like, I, I was joking with him. I'm like, you got, I'll give you a five-star Google review and, uh, and, and tell everybody that I definitely have another truck fire and call you guys again. <laughs> it's a kind of a funny moment, but they get there and they, they get the fire completely out at this point. 
there's nothing left of this truck. I mean, it's there's a frame, the the side of the bed had fallen off my ladder. I had a like a 30-foot ladder on the on the ladder rack was gone. I mean, it just melted into nothing. Uh and I called my wife. I was able to uh actually I didn't call her. I texted her. I was able to get text messages out to her uh cuz the phone service wasn't good enough to call her and get her on the phone. Um, to, to please come down and pick me up. She knew where I was, uh, she, but three hours away, of course. So the, the, the sheriff's there, uh, some other logging guys were there, the forest service there, there's a fire department there. Um, they, they get this, uh, this fire put out and, and, uh, you know, they're, we're just standing there around talking at this point, And I start realizing all the stuff that I had in this truck, um, I had a I had a 45 pistol in the truck. I had my uh, my laptop with every SD card known to man that I own uh was in this truck. Um so all the all the epic footage that I took through September is gone other than a couple of clips that I'd pulled off and and emailed to myself that got to my phone. Uh that footage is gone. Uh, my, my, my truck obviously is gone. My boots are gone. My binos, they're only a few months old. Uh, these loopholes, uh, I just bought, they're gone. Uh, I, I have all sorts of my scree gear is gone. My two different Tacticams, I had the Tacticam 5.0 and the Tacticam wide lens. And I had the Tacticam, I don't know what it's called, the remote control, that I wear around my neck. So when I, when I start getting into some elk action, I just hit this button and my cameras automatically start recording, uh, gone. Uh, I, I mean, I, I just, I can't even explain how much of years I've spent acquiring this gear and it's gone. Uh, work stuff. I had, I had, uh, work tools in there gone. I, I mean, it's just, it was a devastating fire and it really opened my eyes as to how fast that shit can happen. Like I, I didn't know, I didn't know that a truck could burn down like that. I, I had no idea. Um, and so, yeah, finally the, the, the fire department leaves, uh, the, the sheriff leaves. Everybody's like, you know, they're offering me a ride to town, but I, my phone was about to die and I didn't know where to tell my wife, uh, to meet me or pick me up. So they just start leaving, and all of a sudden, uh, the, the tow truck had come up and towed my, my truck, uh, what was left of it. Um, and so they all start going down the mountain, and I'm left there with uh, my half-burnt cooler, uh, my hunting pack, my initial ascent uh, made it, um, my, my bow, I think, made it. The case did start melting a little bit, so I'm not super confident that the strings are okay. I'm going to go have it checked out before I use it. Uh, other than that, everything else is gone. My camp chair. So I'm sitting there alone next to this big scarred, scorched earth looking black spot in this, on this dirt spot that I'd pulled the truck off into. And it's dead quiet up there. I mean, there's just nothing. Oh, I got my bugle tube out. My renegade Phelps game calls uh, bugle tube, but there's nothing else left. It's, it's all gone. It burned down. Uh, it, it just seemed like the whole thing happened so fast. You know, from, from the time I first saw the smoke to the time that the tow truck was heading down the, the mountain with the sheriff and leaving me sitting there in that chair by myself uh, in, the, in the silence of the mountain. Uh, everything was gone. And I'm in my slippers and a t-shirt 
and uh, my my half charred hard scrabble scree gear pants. Uh, and, and, uh, I had to sit there for, I don't know, hour and a half. And finally my wife got there, um, with my tail between my legs. We loaded what was left of my hunting gear into the, into her. She drives a Suburban. Um, and we, we, uh, made the slow drive home at that, at that point it was pretty much dark. I'd lost hope in, in trying to find this elk. Um, I'm still going to go try to find him. Even though season's over, uh, I just want to do my part, and and uh, I, I need some closure on that bull. He was a good bull, guys. Uh, great bull, probably a six point. Uh, I didn't really, I, I I never take the time to count tines um, when when I'm in the moment of taking a shot. I, I feel like it's distracting to me, and I, honestly, I don't really give a damn. Uh, he's got antlers. He's good enough for me. Other than that raghorn I passed on. Um, that was totally circumstantial and only because that other bigger bull was bugling at me. Uh, otherwise he'd have been toast and maybe none of this would have been happen or happened. But the thing that, uh, one of the takeaways I've got from this whole insane, insane story here is how lucky I actually am. And, and people might think, well, goddamn dude, your truck burned down in the, you know, for no reason. Uh, oh, which by the way, the consensus is. Uh, as to the cause of the fire um, is perhaps either a fuel line or the brake line somehow popped off or had a bad connection or split and started leaking fuel onto a very hot manifold, uh, which exceeded apparently whatever fluid it was, whether it was breaker or fuel, um, the flashpoint and started the fire. The, either way, it was so hot, there was no stopping it at that point. Uh, and and the, the, the truck had burned so severely that there's no way of actually knowing exactly what happened. So, but I'm thankful that it happened when it did. Uh, I told you I was going maybe 20 miles an hour. 10 minutes before that, I, or well, longer than that, but uh, I was, I had just been on one of the main highways, uh, that kind of goes through the, the North, Ohio, the North Idaho corridor of highway 95. I had just been on that, uh, not very long before this going, you know, 70 miles an hour, probably faster. And had my brakes gone out at that point on a curve, I probably wouldn't be here talking to you. Uh, I'm also super thankful that the explosion and the fire in general didn't start the woods on fire and I didn't I'm not responsible for a forest fire because that was probably the most terrifying thing for me in that moment was uh, I, I I thought I was going to be responsible for thousands of acres burning of, of forest uh, of timber of great timber and great mule deer country and great elk country and great whitetail country and great black bear country uh, I thought I was going to be responsible for uh, responsible for burning that down uh, so I'm thankful. I'm th- I, I mean, I thank God that that, that didn't happen. Uh, I thank God that the, the brakes went out when they did, and I was able to slow the truck down and come to a stop and get out of it. Uh, I, I'm thankful that uh, I, I, I was able to start or, or stop the truck where I did, where there was somewhere to pull it off away from the trees, where I wasn't on like a cliff, basically. I mean, it wasn't a cliff cliff, but... You know, it's steep enough country that uh, you might as well be on a cliff. I, I would have gone way down the mountain. There was just so many things that could have gone wrong. Um, I'm thankful my kids weren't in the vehicle and there was some problem getting us out. 
uh, I, I'm thankful uh, that it just played out the way it did, and I came out unscathed. Yeah, am, am I upset about the gear? Absolutely, man. I'm especially some things I had in there were super sentimental to me. So yeah, it's a blow. It's a serious blow. I'm not rich. I can't go freaking drop two grand on a on a dime to replace all this hunting gear and and a laptop and everything else. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I can replace it, um, slowly and surely, but I, I'm not, you know, just not in a position to do that. We're trying to build a house on a homestead where we live on bare land and, and, uh, yeah, you know, I don't have money flowing out my ears. So, uh, that was a serious blow. Uh, but, uh, overall I'm thankful the way that it happened, that it happened the way it did. And I'll I'll rebuild. In fact, my sponsors are are being great, which I want to give them a quick mention. Um, I've already spoke with uh, uh, Hoffman Boots and uh, Scree Gear, and kind of explained the situation. And we have plans to discuss possibly getting some of it replaced. Um, and uh, also with Tacticam, I spoke with Rudy over at Tacticam about uh, getting those cameras maybe replaced. I don't know. I, I, I hate to ask for that kind of thing, but um, shoot, I still have I still have an entire fall of hunting seasons coming up. So, um, you know, that's just the situation I'm in. It, it is what it is. And so I just I, I'm thankful that they're uh, even open to talking about it. So we're, I'll find out in the next few days what what will come of that. And um you know, obviously insurance is going to cover the truck and whatnot, but, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't, uh, have really any other explanation as to why it started other than it was a fluke thing. I've been Googling the hell out of it. Uh, this has happened before to other people that own Toyota Tacomas. Uh, there has been various random, almost spontaneously combusting Toyota Tacomas. And I'm, I'm not here to talk poorly about Toyota Tacomas. I've, I've loved this truck for five years. I've, I had one before that as well. Um, and I, I still think they're great trucks. Uh, I, I, if there's some consistent issue that needs to be addressed, I hope they address it because I, I, I don't know that I'm going to be comfortable getting in another Toyota Tacoma at this point. Um, just, uh, it was, you know, it was a scary thing. So anyway, Guys, that's my September in a nutshell. That's the story of the uh, the great burning truck of 2022. Ruined and derailed my elk hunt and trying to find my elk. Uh, I had a great season outside of that, guys. I mean, I, I did. I had a great season. I got a bear in September. Um, uh, had a, had plenty of opportunities on elk. Uh, more than than uh, usual. I don't I, I don't normally have that much action. Uh, I mean, I called in bulls. M- for seven days in a row and some various other bulls that came in whether quiet or or uh, bugling at me uh fantastic uh season the the encounters that i had um they were incredible i'll never forget them uh, it was a great season other than the the truck incident uh had a great season i hope you guys did too again if you guys tagged out on an elk send me an email at jim at the western huntsman.com uh to see if you'd uh, or if you're interested in, in coming on the show and telling your story um, and I'd love to do kind of a repeat of September dreams, that episode from last year, it had, it went insane downloads wise. So, and I think people got a lot out of it and learned a lot from it. So love to get you back or, uh, love to get you on the show and talk about your story. And I, I hope your season ended, uh, better than mine <laughs> and to you, October rifle hunters. It is, uh, you are on deck brothers and sisters. I hope you have a great season. 
uh, definitely share. Uh, if you guys get a bull, or if you get an, I don't care if it's a bull, if you get an elk down in general, um, and you post it on Instagram, tag me in it. Uh, any deer you get down over the next month or so, uh, make sure when you're posting them, tag me in it. I love seeing that stuff. I love seeing your success. Uh, I love seeing everybody as a, you know, a collective. I, I love seeing everybody's success and seeing how you did. And, um, I don't care if you're archery rifle muzzle load, uh, or F 16, uh, you know, fighter jet. I don't care how you get them down as long as it's legal. And, and you tag me in it when you, when you post a picture, um, do the do the best grip and grin you can. <laughs> so, folks, uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, I don't have an outro recorded right now because uh, that file burned with my other laptop. Um, so I'm going to bid adieu and sign off and call it a night. And uh, God bless you guys. Thanks again for listening. We'll uh, have some new, fresh episodes coming up very, very soon. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks a bunch.